recorded live in the San Francisco Bay Area. This is Rock Immortals Rock Talk. What is up, folks? Welcome to Rock Talk. I know you just had to listen to me yammer for about 10 minutes, and I feel bad for you for that, but now you get more of me. Um, I'm sitting in here, and there's this is the coolest thing I think we've done. We have some legendary people already in here, and we're going to have more popping through. So I'm going to go just in the order of my screen, introducing who's here already. Uh, Mr. Q Minor, Quentin from Phantom Witch. What's uh, good? Myself, which nobody cares about that. Uh, also from Phantom Witch, Travis Ochoa. Uh, the wonderful Sip Cipriano, who is, I think, actually in San Francisco right now, based on the... No, no that's your... Right now. Yeah, that's right. That's your Vegas house. Uh, Once again, our our dear friend, Mr. Will Carroll has joined us, which we're very excited about. Uh, A new face in here and somebody that I'm incredibly excited to meet. uh, Legend in the industry, Mr. Michael Alago has joined us. Uh, and, uh, our good friend, Rob Dukes, who, uh, as usual, when he shows up here has a cigar in his hand, <laughs> we, we know you well. <laughs> so this is going to be a very, very interesting thing. It's going to be very, very different. No, we're not really doing the interview thing. We're not, you know, I'm not going to go handle a cross or anything like that. We're just going to kind of go with the flow because these people in here are all, in their own right legends. You've got a new wave of thrash and Phantom Witch. You've got Sip, who has booked some of the most legendary metal bands in existence and is a huge, huge part of the Bay Area metal scene. You got Will Carroll, who's drum, you know, drums for Death Angel, has also drummed for Machine Head, has I think three other bands as well, maybe four. It's hard to keep track sometimes. Uh, <laughs> because you've got he's got a lot of side projects. They're all good. Um, you've got Rob Dukes, who's you know sings in Generation Kill, sang in the legendary Exodus, and then the person that I want to start with, um, because again I'm stoked. I haven't met him until tonight. Uh, Michael Alago. Um, and first of all, how are you doing during the pandemic? How are you holding up? And you know how are things going for you in general right now? Oh, um, well, I'm doing okay. You know, I live in New York City, and. Uh, it's like a ghost town, and then there are like idiots who are outside who are, are in like clusters and they don't wear face coverings, and it's a whole to do. But uh, if I see people like that, I just cross the street. Um, I'm mostly at home, I'm watching too much uh, news channel TV, and then I flip it over to TCM. Uh, just been promoting my book online, and um, what else? What else? What else? Uh, I just started uh, shooting a bunch of uh, black and white portraits called Art in the Time of Coronavirus. So I have about five of them right now, and I want to get 12 of them and submit them to the New York Times. So uh, that's what I've kind of been doing. That's nice. fantastic. So, yeah, uh, Sip, nice. I want to I put you on the spot because I want you to do something for me if you would be so kind. Yes. Uh, for those who don't know of uh, Michael Alago, can you kind of give a, uh, if you had to give, you know, the synopsis to his life story, <laughs> could you do that for me? Because I know, no, I know you no, can. No, no, Alago, he's asking for a synopsis. That's why he didn't ask you to do it. Because we don't want to do it. Okay. <laughs> so Alago is an industry legend. He's the person that signed Metallica. He was originally a booker 
for a legendary New York club. And he like clawed his way through the ranks. He has a really interesting story. He's the subject of an amazing movie called Who the Fuck Is This Guy? That's still on Netflix. And now just, uh, I think very recently, has moved on to Amazon Prime. I am fortunate enough to have been one of the backers in that, along with a bunch of other people that met this guy. and was like, oh my God, this is the most interesting fucking guy I've ever met in my life. Everybody has to know about him. And um, I met him through... Uh, my dear friends, uh, Kirk and uh, from Metallica and Mark from Death Angel. And they're like, how do you guys not know each other? Because um, for those who don't know, both of us are, um, are gay individuals in the heavy metal world. And uh, so since there's only like us and Rob Halford, we usually tend to know each other. And it's been great in the last couple of years. And now Alago and I have known each other for about 10 years now. And um, it's been great. I mean, I consider him a dear friend and he is a legend who signed Metallica. He worked with, and uh, his heavy metal credibility is without parallel. I mean, you know, just being the guy that signed Metallica alone, but then he also brought the world white zombie. And then not to be pigeonholed with that, he's worked with Cindy Lauper. He's worked with Nina Simone. He's worked with a whole selection of other people. Not to mention that he's also an incredible photographer. I have some of his work in my house. Um, he's been kind enough to give some me some stuff, and uh, his photographs are amazing. They see a gritty side. They show a gritty side of New York City that you normally wouldn't see because you would think like, okay, he's a photographer, so it's just going to be like a bunch of fucking Metallica pictures. It's completely not that. It's a whole different aspect of his personality. And if you want to know the full story, check out his new book, Michael. Do you want to tell us about your book, darling? Sure. But just so you know, people who are out there, the movie's actually called Who the Fuck Is That Guy? That Guy. That guy. Sorry. <laughs> well, if you go to this guy, you ain't going to fucking find me. Oh, my so, God. If you if you put in Who the Fuck Is, <laughs> yeah. by the time you get that much on Netflix. What is the crazy wrestler, boxer these days? He, big ears, uh, British. Uh, uh, anyway, his his... Thing begins with who the fuck is. Anyway, uh, so uh, when you ask me, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't know. I have I have no brain left. So tell me about your book. Tell me about your book, Michael. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. So the you know, the documentary has been on for two years. It's done really well. And since you know we're here, and I'm shameless, <laughs> I have a little book out. <laughs> well, honey, I got the book. I got Ethan Covenant. I got the movie. You know, listen, we're in fucking wait. We're in fucking quarantine. If I can't do this shit, I could just roll up and die. Anyway, so yeah, uh, some little book company wanted to know if I had more stories. Uh, after they saw the movie, and I said, do I have more stories? I've been doing this for 25 years. Every night of the fucking week I went out. Nearly killed me. Uh, so the book's out. It's called I Am Michael Alago, Breathing Music, Signing Metallica, Beating Death. And it's about my 25 years as a music executive. It's about addiction. It's about recovery. It's about having full-blown AIDS in the 90s when there was no medication, and I lived. And uh, it's about sobriety. I don't drink a drug anymore. Coming up on 13 years. And I'm just, you know, I'm grateful for waking up every day. And um, so that's the book, and you can find it on Amazon.com. So I want to ask Michael a question real fast, since I got him here on the spot, and I have a bunch of the people that uh, uh, follow me are on are watching this right now that are happy that Michael's here. They were all excited when I was like, let them know. So Hello, Michael, what was it like to be a gay music business executive in the eighties when people, so many people were still closeted for fuck's sake, George Michael wasn't admitting he was gay in the eighties. So what was it like 
being an out gay executive and not just like, and instead of like going ahead and being with the Pet Shop Boys, you were with Metallica and Megadeth and Armored Saint and all of these fucking bands. What was that like? Well, to be perfectly honest, I mean, I never really thought about it. I, you know, my whole life, I always thought people are either going to like you or they're not going to like you, no matter what. And, you yeah. know, sexuality for me wasn't a thing because all I ever wanted to do with Johnny Rotten is talk about music. That's what we did. You know, we just talked about music. And I mean, you know, there's always like, you know, uh, 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 joshing each other about stuff. But, um, you know, I was never in the closet. I was, uh, I, I've just always been out and I am who I am. And uh, I, like I said, people either like you or they don't like you. And I really never gave a shit about any of that. So I just, uh, you know, I moved forward and, uh, you know, and uh, had a great career. And I never just thought about the sexual, I just never, th maybe everybody else thought about it, but I just never thought about it. I just did my job and I was out there and I was good at my job. So, yeah. You know, that's, that makes that's relatable. Go ahead, go ahead, you know? I get asked a lot, like, you know, what's it like being a black guy in the metal scene? Like, what's it like? And I'm just like, I, I have uh, a in my skin and I played drums in a metal band. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's all about like, look, dude, I'm I'm here to thrash. I am here to wreck some people in a mosh pit. Yeah. <laughs> and that's about Can it. I, I test. Can test. Like, yeah. I'll 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 tell you what, and, and one one of the greatest things about Quentin is he's the most recognizable person in the metal scene in San Francisco. Yeah. Maybe short of sit. Because if you see massive arms and a sleeveless shirt and a, <laughs> uh, and a shaved head, it's sick. But if, <laughs> it's true. There's nothing <laughs> very easily recognizable. But at the same time, there, there is only one time, and, and maybe this is something that needs to change. There's only one time that you'll see this man, a black man, with that hair, with that fro. Like... You watch this, and I was at Ozfest a couple years ago. Didn't know he was there. Uh, I think, uh, actually, I think Will. I think this was uh, Death Angel was on stage. Was that no, Death it was, Angel or Testament? It was during Testament. Uh, I, I was there for Death Angel. It was Ozfest. Yeah, when I went, when I went down with you, Will, uh, to the San Bernardino, and you guys played that Ozfest, um, and I was sitting oh, in right. the back, okay. and yeah. I was on the side of the stage when you guys performed, and I see this this fro crowd surfing up to the front and i was like holy shit i think that's quentin like or 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 i'm a terrible person but but like <laughs> there, there is one other guy his name's, uh, his name's Devonte, and he was up so was i texted him oh that's right you're like, that's right like, okay are you at ozfest and he's like yeah and i was like uh you want to come hang out and he was like sure i was like oh okay meet me over here he, there's and here or there there's nobody more recognizable that i know and honestly in ways that's a bad thing it's a sad thing because there should be more there should be more diversity in that scene and i think we've gotten better about that but quentin do you still feel like there's kind of a wall and no i've like never that? felt like there was a wall if there was a wall i just hit it you are the wall dude remember <laughs> yeah. yeah you're the one we talked about this oh, quentin that's pretty damn sure yeah. <laughs> Bro, by the way, we've been joined by uh, Warbringer's drummer, Mr. Carlos Cruz. What's up, man? Oh, also the drummer of Hexen, because they're back. Oh, my God, I'm so excited. Yeah, we might get into that a little later if you care to. Uh, you would know. I'm not sure these other gentlemen would. But, yeah, 
My name is Carlos. Pleasure to meet you if we haven't met before. Hi, Carlos. Cheers to you all. Michael, it's a pleasure. Rob Dukes, my man. Cheers. Well, glad to see you. Well, that's it. So one of the coolest things, Carlos, about having you on was uh, when we had Will on for episode two, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the questions that that, uh, somebody watching asked was that, who was who were his three t- be- favorite active drummers, like kind of newer? And you sure. were on that list. Thank you. Well, so, please, please. Aww. appreciate that. <laughs> the truth. <laughs> well, Warbringer itself is is such a fantastic band, and I really appreciate you taking the time to join us, man. Oh yeah, definitely. So, no, it's a pleasure to be here. So, Will, <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you. Um, you last time we talked to you, you were about to go back into the studio for the first time and actually get behind a kit after, you know, after COVID and all that, how did that go? And how are you feeling now? Uh, surprisingly, it went really well, uh, really yeah. easy to get back behind the kit and get back into the groove of things. Uh, I, I wasn't yeah. quite sure how it was going to go. If I was going to get winded or if my heart was going to feel funny, who knows what was going to happen, but uh, it was smooth sailing. And by the end of the day, I was almost back to where I, where I left off and hell yeah. Now, uh, yeah, it was, it's just, it was really great. And now I'm drumming a lot. Uh, Rob from Death Angel sent me songs, so I'm going to the studio and working on those. And um, uh, I got other projects in the works. Like I had a band right before I joined Death Angel called Scarecrow with Matt Harvey from Exhumed. And we're, we're, uh, we're doing it again. We're going to record an album in uh, September or October. So I'm uh, relearning those songs and – yeah, I'm staying busy with the drums, and uh, this feels good. Everything's uh, working you, good. Yeah. Have you have you done have you done kind of an, an extended sort of session to see how the how the wind is working, and you know, kind of how how you are cardio wise yet? Well, uh, when I go into my studio, I, uh, I I drum to the Coroner album, No More Color. No shit. And that's, that's a good right on. That's a good uh, gauge right there. If, if that'll I don't tell you if you're winded or not. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Will, when you got sick, you, did you stay home the whole time? What's that? When you got sick, did you stay home the whole time? Oh, oh. no, no. Oh. Coma. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, wait, wait, wait. What? I, I was in a mm. coma for 12 days. I was in the what? hospital. I was in the hospital for like 16 days. Oh, my God. Well, I'm glad you're here. And you know what? You sound good. It doesn't sound like anything's the matter with your chest. So, yeah, surprisingly, you're here. Yeah, yeah, thank thank you. I didn't get any scarring on my lungs. And uh, I had heart failure during the coma. So my heart took a beating a little bit, but it's back to 100% now. So uh, I'm definitely lucky. I'm, I'm lucky I didn't have any permanent damage. Did and you I have other side more. effects that will? Did you have any other side effects that took time to like work themselves out? No, the only thing I have that still hasn't worked out yet is the very tip of my tongue on the left side is numb. Hmm. The very like a little, little, little piece oh. of my tear numb. See? So maybe I bit my tongue during the coma, or I, I don't know exactly what my my doctors don't know either. Uh, so that's the only thing that's lingering. But as far as like uh, I had to learn how to walk again, so that was uh, a trip because uh, being a coma for twelve days, my muscles went to shit and my legs were atrophy. Yeah, so I can't imagine what people who are in a coma for a year have to go through. Good God! But uh, learning to walk again was really, really, really trippy, man. 
that I was scared I couldn't I wouldn't be able to drum again when I couldn't even walk down the hallway, you know. So that was pretty scary. Hey, you got to start somewhere, man. We're so glad to see you. <laughs> Moving and drumming yeah. the corner of all bands. That's pretty yeah. technical demanding <laughs> shit. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, Nothing's going to stop Will, man. Well, Will, did LaShawn <laughs> ever, uh, did your fiance ever test positive? No, she uh, she got tested once or twice. twice. She got tested twice and she's uh, she's uh, cleared both times. Wow. wow. She I always found that interesting. I always found that interesting. I, I saw the same about Gary as well with him and, and Lisa where he had tested positive and her negative and it's, you know, you're, you're in close range, you know what I mean, uh, et cetera, oh. XYZ, and I always found that really interesting that, it, you know, one person could carry it and it wouldn't, you know, as a host here, it wouldn't transmit to anybody else that close. Yeah, this virus doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, that's why it's so hard to to, to squash because it's very unpredictable. And uh, yeah, I can't explain it, but she oh. was with quite a bit through all that. But you're also supposedly like from everything that I've read for when I had it and stuff was that you're at your most contagious before you or your symptoms have even come become full. Blown. Yes. So like yeah. once you know, once I had full blown symptoms, and like you know, my husband was like basically having to take care of me because like we're like, okay, am I going to the hospital tonight? Am I not going to the hospital? All of that kind of stuff. Like once that happened, I wasn't even contagious anymore. Right. And the doctors were like, no, you can stay home. You don't have to come into the hospital because my fever only hit one hundred three, and my fever was one hundred three for seven days. And they were like, back then Kaiser wouldn't admit you into the hospital until you had a one hundred four fever. So they're like, well, we're not going in. So for seven days, my, and my hands were shaking. Like you would not believe. Yeah, sure. And it was just like the sweating. And I lost so much weight. It was just ridiculous. But the Kaiser at that point, this was early March, would not let you into the hospital yet. Because they're like, no, you're still not an emergency. And then finally my breathing started getting worse. And they're like, okay, you know, are you like, you know, are you, you know, like tonight you might need to come in. If it gets bad, then tonight you have to come into the ER. And at that point, I was just fucking pissed off about it. Well, it sounds guys, like you, you guys were, have actually. Oh, go ahead, Will. It sounds like you were a step away from having to go into the hospital. Totally, world. totally. I was like, totally like this fucking close. And it, it reaches that point on like day 13 that's really common for a lot of people where it's either going to get way worse or you're going to go ahead and the fever is going to break. And suddenly the 103 fever is either going to be a 105 fever or it's going to be a 101 fever. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but if you've been living with a 103 fever and COVID for seven days, yeah, the man. first morning you wake up and it's only a hundred, you're like, fuck yeah, let's take on the fucking world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Fuck you, What I was going to bring up is you know, my roommate had it. So when we've talked about the spread, you know, I was under the assumption that I probably had it because mm -hmm. my roommate had it. And he had it bad. He did. Basically, he had in the early days, unless you were sick, kind of what you were talking about, unless you were dying, they weren't letting you in the hospital. Not at and all. And he had it very, very early. Um, but he dealt with the situation where, like, they, they basically gave him a presumptive positive. So they were like, yeah, you, you, you have it. Yeah. <laughs> but stay the hell home. And if, you, and if it gets any worse, come in. So it was that if same kind nothing, of situation. There were no drugs until you ended up on a ventilator. Or yep. in a coma or something like that. There were no drugs they could give you because all the drugs were so risky. Like the drugs that they gave Will, I mean, as much as that probably helped you and saved you, that could have just as easily fucking killed yeah, you. On that but other way, yeah. Point, oh, yeah. Point, you know, like you might as well roll the dice on it. You're already, you know, you're already there. You're already <laughs> on a ventilator. Like, ah! 
Let's roll. Well, the big thing with like COVID is that like, like, you know, they, they still won't let gay people give blood. And, you know, if you're in a fucking car accident because, you know, like everybody's worried about HIV, even though like there's a whole new drug that, you know, makes it so that, you know, we're like the people that are at least risk for, you know, getting HIV at this point because everybody's on a daily pill. But it's like, if you're in a tragic car accident and you're bleeding the fuck out and then somebody's going to say, well, you know what? We can't give you a blood transfusion because you might get gay blood. And you're there after like being run over by a semi. You're going to be like, fuck it. Give me the gay blood. I'm good. I'll take my chances. You know? Sorry, it's true. It's all perspective. It, it, it sounds like a movie in the works right there. Starring Russell Wilson. That's my next band. My next band is going to be called Gay Blood. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll buy it. Yeah, It is critical. Like when people need experimental ther therapies, it's not because there's all these other options. So Will didn't really have all these other options. I'm sure. You think was in a coma <laughs> to not say yay or nay. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> you could have said yay anyway. You would have said yay. You know, and that's probably what saved you. Quentin, were you so, starting to say something? Yeah, I mean, I was. So uh, my mom's a nurse, and then I was pre-med before I switched over to computer science. So I have a lot of, like, medical background knowledge about it and whatnot. And like with COVID, you were saying like the drugs are super dangerous and also like why once you get full-blown symptoms, why you're less, um, less contagious. It's like with COVID, the thing that actually gets you is your immune system response to the virus. Not even the virus itself. It's just like it comes in like a stealth bomber. It's just chilling out in your body like, oh, yeah, you know, we're kind of like replicating in your lungs, cause a little bit of tissue damage. And then your immune system comes in like this just really jacked up dude bro from the gym like you open my body bro you open my body just starts slamming the virus all over the place it ends up the immune system deals more damage to your body than the virus itself does and so by the time you're going through all those crazy symptoms you know and you're yeah. <laughs> 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 Are you getting uh, medical okay. information from the nurse? Is that what you're doing? Oh, no. My, 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 my <laughs> medical conversation. Loud, loud, loud talking voice. Yeah. But that's a, that's a, so don't be so loud, Quinn. Come on. Oh, yeah. Really. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll move we'll move on from COVID because God knows. Wow. It, uh, I actually do have a question about I want to ask. COVID and how bad the country is at the moment. And both those I want to know because Travis and I were on, on tour when this happened. We, it was... July 8th and 9th in 2017. Well, it was Will. Did <laughs> Exodus did a double night at the, um, what's it called? Uh, at the chapel. And Rob, I, as, I as I understand, you came up and you did some songs with them. This was after we parted ways. Yeah. Yeah, I did. What was that? Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to be there so bad. It got announced after, because we, you know, we booked the tour. We were playing in the Bay in San Francisco that night and I'm like sitting at <laughs> and like you know people are telling me like yeah it's probably like wish things that, you know we had more people here but everybody's probably over at the Exodus show I'm like dude I don't blame them yeah well, I was I was <laughs> actually before before Rob gets to that I was gonna say you booked a Phantom Witch show on one of the nights that Exodus was doing one of their chapel shows no so we booked it <laughs> so beforehand we both nights on tour but we had this book like months in advance and it got announced, and we're just sitting there, just. <sighs> Where was the show? Uh, uh, yeah. 
So we're playing over at, let's see, we did, we did one at, um, it was a rehearsal studio in San Francisco. I don't even remember what it was. I think it was like Music City or something in SF. It was like a so. show. And then we did one over at, um, it's in Redwood City. What's the place? Bobby D's. Bobby yes. City. Yeah. See, that's the I'm shitty thing about Francisco right now is that, or well, right before COVID hit, was that when I owned the pound and I was the primary booker of metal for the pound, when, uh, I mean, for the, for the Bay Area, like if anything would come up, like if Live Nation was going to get something or if Slims was going to get something, they would always call me and be like, hey, we're having like, you know, we're having Phantom Witch tonight. What do you have? Well, we're going to have Exodus, but I have a hold for the next night. So why don't you go ahead and can you move your show or should we move our show? And us and Slims and the film yeah. club and the Regency all used to work together for years and years and years and years. And then it also helped out too, because sometimes there's agents that are super greedy, not saying that bands aren't worth everything, but sometimes there are agents that are super greedy and would really try to screw people on prices or be like, you know, the last time they played their, your market, Butcher Baby sold out the Fillmore. And you're like, well, you know, all I have to do is like make a phone call or two. And then we communicate with each other. And we'd be like, you know what? They may be a great band, but you know, there's only, they only sold X amount of tickets and then therefore your offer is based on that. One of my favorite agents that everybody, you know, has very mixed emotions about always told me there's no such thing as a bad show. There's only a bad deal. And that's true. You can't, if you yep. have a band, if you have a band that can easily, that can sell 200 tickets, that's nothing to be ashamed of, but you don't want to play a thousand cap venue. Mm -hmm. yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? 200 people in a, in a venue that holds 175 is amazing. Okay, 200 people in a place that holds 2,000 is embarrassing. So there's, you know, there's, so seriously, I can, I can, I can one up that. I can one up that. I don't mean to. We played Ventura, California. Mm. They held the thousand, and there were 18 people there. Woo! <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> I sang with my <laughs> eyes closed. I sang with my eyes closed the whole time. It's the only show I ever used a mic stand. What band? Exodus, man. No. What? Yeah. That's not even worse. You want to hear a fucking word story? Fort Collins, Colorado. Ministries playing down the street. They're sold out. We had like 20 people there. We held It held like 800. It was fucking brutal. But on the upside, I never had to play there again. That was the <laughs> <upside>. <laughs> I mean, like that reminds me of like the when I first because I'm I'm pretty close to the Warbringer, you know. I'll, I'll call up Carlos or like hit up Cruz to come on on the show tonight. Mm. The first time <laughs> I really got close with them, they were playing upstairs at the DNA Lounge in San Francisco. And you know that place is like it's tiny. I was at that show. Yes, yeah, sir. yeah, because Will was there too. Yeah, that's right. Will was there. This is before Travis was in the band, but I remember Will was there. Um, and they came back to San Fran, played the DNA Lounge in the big room. I think you guys were on tour with, it wasn't Dark Tranquility, it was the other one. It was... Uh, yeah, the Dark Band. Darkest Hour. There you go. You got uh, with Darkest Hour and Ex Mortis. And I think it was about the same number of people who showed up, but in... Vibe, I think it was a different scene. And uh, like, like he said, like, um, that, like they were mentioning, you know, you play... You know what your draw is. You know what the capability of the package is. I think the first time you saw it was us and Havoc. Which yeah, Havoc, X Mortis, and your core, core thrash audience. You know what I mean? So you already know what you're going to get. Uh, mm -hmm. And you put a package like that in a small room, it looks fantastic because it all looks like piranhas attacking a fucking ham, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you put it in a large room, 
you know, 10 times the capacity. Doesn't make sense. Does, it doesn't, it, it doesn't act, work the same. The action right? isn't there. Yeah, it may look a little better. Production might be a little better. The sound might be a little, you know, uh, what have you. But yeah, definitely. That, that's one of those scenarios too. And it happens all the time. Competing tours. You're, yeah, you're, I mean, sometimes all those venues that have multiple rooms, you know, oh, well, this band's playing the small room, but at the same time, we've got this, you know, they play this type of music. They play this type of music, but three different, you know, one venue, three different rooms. They're all fighting against each other ticket sales and they're all like a similar style of music where you could see these fans over here. Uh, the only instance we've ever, you know, this tour package, this tour package collide and we'll put them all in the same bill, start the show a little earlier and help, you know, the collective that that rarely happens. It's usually like, cool. You I know. did that. I did that with Anthrax. They wanted to play. Uh, Anthrax were playing outdoors for me at the Pound, and that thing helped thousands of people. And they already had their like four band bill. And then I had another great, really solid, heavier bill that wanted to be there the same day. So I put the agents together. We all got in touch. Everybody had to like come together and be like, okay, you're not going to get everything you want, but instead yeah. we're create something for the scene. So suddenly yeah. instead of having a show that started at 6 p.m., we had a show that started at noon. And instead of having four bands on a bill, we got to have all 10 bands play the fucking show. Mm -hmm. And it was an all day metal fest and the entire Bay Area turned out for it. And I mean, Anthrax cool. always pack a place anyway, but anyway. suddenly they're getting an even younger audience than they would have no. before. And that's when you have, because of that, because of agents that are really willing to work on it and promoters that are really willing to think outside the box, you can have stuff like that. And I still, you know, if I, if I ever go see Anthrax in the Bay Area, people still come up to me like, dude, that metal fest that you guys had, oh, the that wasn't even a tour. How did that come together? And it's like, well, because everybody, a lot of the reasons why people are doing this isn't for the money. I know you probably left med school or whatever you know to become a rock star you know and i mean i understand you went for the easy money of being in phantom witch instead of finishing med school <laughs> uh, <laughs> graduate i got my degree in computer science <laughs> usually people aren't thinking about this only for the money they're actually looking at the greater good of the scene and because we're all metal and because we all love metal and we all love what it stands for we can work together and put on these amazing shows if people just work together with shit yeah, so, so. It's more fun to talk about the tragic things. And I want to ask Alago, Alago, what was the best like show you saw, whether or not you were involved with it, where like, you know, you saw like, an, like, for example, like I helped promote the first Jane's Addiction tour on the, um, in Baltimore when I was there. And it was like, you know, they just put out Nothing Shocking. The album had only been out two weeks. It was fucking like the best album ever to come out. And the only venue that was there was this venue out in Pasadena, but we're like, whatever, this is going to be great. The cool kids are going to know about it. And it was a venue that held like 700 people or whatever. And if 60 showed up, that would have been amazing. And the owner of the venue came over to me screaming at me, totally berating me, telling me, what's wrong with you selling me on this band? These fucking guys are never going to play here again. Well, he was right about that. So, Alago, like if you could think about in your entire history, when you saw a band that like, through no fault of their own, just ended up playing to nobody. Who would it have been? Which show was it? Oh, to nobody. Oh. Yeah. Not to a packed room. Like, I to know, I, you know what? That's like a tough one. I mean, I can't remember. I have half a brain anyway, so <laughs> give me a new question. I got one. I got one. I got one. I went and saw uh, the Deftones on the White Pony at this place called the Milk Bar, and there was 11 people there. And it held fifteen hundred. No, in, in, Flo in Florida, San Jacksonville, oh. Florida. White Pony Tour, Florida. Eleven people. Uh, Beach. It was a place called Bar. 
And cool. it was 11 people there. And then six months later, they came back and were playing the, the big fucking place down the street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Six so months wanna, later. Yeah. I want to interject for just a minute here. Um, we were just joined by Zach Simmons and TA from Goat Horror. Hey, guys. So this Zach. is a good opportunity to let people know that we're selling tickets if you want to hang out with us after the live stream is done. That'll be yeah. off the live Wait, stream. I That's when things get really crazy. <laughs> you know, like, you know, we're not we're not so worried about being public. Um, but yeah, you guys... Well, can I get really offensive to show my nipples? Um, oh, that's not offensive, honey. Everybody wants to see that. Alago <laughs> <laughs> yelled at me one day. Alago yelled at me one day for meeting him at lunch for his end of my nipples were showing. Story. <laughs> <laughs> we went out to lunch one day, and I had like probably been out all night, and I was wearing a Steve Miller shirt, and then I cut up to all get out and everything, and it was like this. And he looked at me and was like, Will you have some respect and cover yourself? We're at lunch. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and the last time, like I said to these guys before we saw each other, the last time Alago, Dukes, and I all saw each other in the same room was at dinner in uh, lunch in Chelsea. Yes, it was. Uh, yeah. And Mark Asagana, of course. Yeah. Huh? Well, we all, we actually, we all met at the Cromag show about 10 years ago. Richard. And, um, yeah, we went all went to we went to the Cromags and I ran into you guys there and that's how we all met. Yeah. So, yeah. And that but, was like, and I had, I had worked with Exodus, but I never met Dukes before. And yeah, I didn't meet you when we played the power. work with the band, if you're the promoter yeah. and you're the guy that owns the venue, you, you don't always meet all the members of the band or anything like that, you know? So, like, yeah. I had worked with Exodus, and Mark was like, how do you not know Dukes? Just like he was like, how do you not know Michael? You guys need to know each other. So, yeah, yeah that's how it all started. And yeah. now these two guys are, like, two of my favorite people in the business. And what venue was yeah. that? Which what, uh, was that? It was at the Chromex show. Oh, or was it? Oh, the Chromex? No, the Chromex was in New York. Gotcha. And, they uh, served, and they served drinks in glass. Let's just not forget. That. <laughs> it was yeah, a well, pro bag show, and they served all of their drinks in glass. What? What? Uh, what? Where? Where was that, yeah, Michael? Yeah. Was it at the Highline Ballroom on Sixteenth Street? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. It was the Highline Ballroom, and a hell of a memory. Yeah, and I—I never been there. <laughs> I had yeah. never been there, and I was like, oh, okay, me and Mark, we're like, let's go get a drink. So we go to get yeah. a drink, and I was like, Mark, you're not going to believe this. And I turned around, and I handed him his gin, and he looked at me. He's like, you're kidding. They're serving fucking classic <laughs> pro bag show. <laughs> like, yeah, and he's like, Sip, how about you and I stand in the back of the venue and watch the show? I'm like, <laughs> I'm fine, I like my face yeah. just banged up enough, not overly. There's like <laughs> always the person like, there's always that dude on the side of the mosh pit. He's got his beard. He was like standing right in the middle sometimes. Just got his beard, sipping on it. I'm just looking at him like, how do you think you're going to hold on to that? Yeah. <laughs> you're going to lose it. <laughs> and I'm not going to be sorry about it. It's the fun of the challenge on it, though. It's the fun of the challenge. <laughs> in the years that I owned the pound, we never had a glass in the place. Like, there was never a glass. Like, we never bought a glass. Why? Because I know my audience. I love my audience. And they're the best audience in the world. But they can't handle glassware. Hell no. That's right. Hey, Zach. Metalheads are sippy cup only. Uh, yeah. Hey, Zach. Are you in, uh, are you in Arizona? Zach? I am right now. 
How about you? Where you at? I'm in, oh, I'm in Chandler. Where I'm going to the Anthem, man. I'm probably like an hour and a half away. Oh, Dude. fuck. Oh, shit. Yeah, wow, man. man. Dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on my motorcycle and come hang out. Do it. I'm going to take a ride. Yeah. All in. <laughs> he says <laughs> that. He's saying he's going to come hang out with me. He doesn't come hang out. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, uh, nobody wants to travel to San Francisco right now. I'm in Vegas. Yeah. We're, we're all the desert oh, people. Shit. Oh. Hey, are you going to be there this weekend? Areas. Me me, and Dukes and Zach, we're like the different areas of Thunderdome right now. We're like That's all the different down, parts man. of the desert. Hey, Sip, if you're going to be in Vegas this weekend, I'll leave here Friday night and I'll be there. Yeah, I'm here. Wait, okay, wait, 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 I'm all, I'll be there. I'll be there Friday. Why don't we save that for birthday? That's what I thought Dukes was in uh, New Orleans a few years ago, right? Uh, oh, yeah, man. I was, I was driving back. I went to visit my mother. And uh, I was driving uh, my car across the back across the country. I had moved to Arizona, and I stopped in New Orleans. And I called up Ben and and uh, and everybody, and I said, "Come have lunch with me." And they took me to this badass little fucking hole in the wall place to eat no fucking games. killer food. Yeah, man, and we ate fucking food and hung out for a couple of hours, and then yeah, and fucking That's dick it. fuck didn't show up. Yeah. Fucking Sammy. <laughs> fuck. Of course, Sammy never shows up Failed. or anything. I mean, that, fucking, <laughs> that fucking fucker. Yeah. All right. He, me, called, me, he called me like the next day, dude. I'm really sorry. So, yeah. Let me jump in real quick. A couple of things. Uh, first of all, we did post the ticket link up there. If you want to hang out with us after hours, as it is, grab a ticket, come join us. Secondly, uh, we may have another guest joining us that I think about half Red. this panel knows who she is uh, or knows her. Um, and on top of that, I want to I want to make a point here that's really really cool. Like, we were I was talking to the boys in Phantom Witch about this. The <coughs> generational aspect of the fucking metal community that we have in this room right now, now that everybody's here, this is awesome. Like, this is something that you don't see very often, and you don't see something from the beginning on down in one room. Mm -hmm. So you know, Michael Alago was responsible for. Bringing I mean, a lot of people into metal me? that, you know, really, really started the movement, started the mainstream movement more than anything, but started the movement. And at the same time, we've got newer bands like Phantom Witch and, you know, Goat Horror is not new, new, but, you know, kind of third generation, fourth generation, somewhere around there. Right. So there's such a forever. cool spread here. There's <laughs> such a cool spread. And something that I want to ask, I want to ask the new guys. The new guys, uh, Quentin and Travis. And Travis, I'll ask you because you've been super okay. quiet, which is really I'm just chilling, honestly. We've been calling you before. He's like, I don't want to fanboy. I'm just chilling. So I'm yeah. going to ask you directly to fanboy. Yeah, seriously. Here's what I'm going to ask you. Hold on, hold on. Here's what I'm going to ask you directly okay. to fanboy. Okay. As somebody who is okay. in kind of a newer metal band and kind of a band that's up and coming, and you know, you guys are great. If you guys haven't heard Phantom Witch, Go give them a listen. Their mission statement is something along the lines of "We're bringing thrash from 1984 to you now," or something like that. I'm butchering it, but that's okay. 86. <laughs> so we're, going, we're going master of puppets, okay? Um, but I, I want to ask you, Travis, because I've, I've experienced this a little bit too, moving to the Bay and meeting the people that I've met. Do you feel like metal is a unique thing because? When you do look at something like this, you're friends with, you know, you, you've met Will several times. Mm -hmm. You know, you know a lot of these guys that are legends in this scene. 
you're sitting in here with Rob Dukes, and I know you're a huge Exodus fan. Like, yeah. is this the kind of thing that just makes metal awesome? Like, you know, what's of course the it does. when you get to do things like this? Yeah, I mean, like, I was telling Q about it, and, you know, like, I was trying not to fangirl about it, because, like, these are all just <laughs> really cool people, you know, and I don't want to come off weird, but cat's out of the bag. So, um... <laughs> He's weird, everybody. But, yeah, but, I mean, just, like, yeah, I'm just chilling, and uh, I think metal being... What was the question again? Sorry. <laughs> you're a little flustered no it's okay it's it's the question okay. ultimately is uh, what does it feel to kind of be like in the metal community and in a position where you actually get to meet these people that you get to you've watched over the years and oh you've been a fan of over the years it's fucking awesome dude seriously because like <laughs> you, you just like you know yes they're regular people but um i mean i've like mm -hmm. seeing videos and photos and just, just like just to see him right in front of me and just like okay don't be weird but you know <laughs> like they're all great people and then they, they great make great music and i just i uh how is i'm trying to say this um this is new i've never seen yeah i'm just like flustered like this, this is <laughs> yeah. I, I, i'm loving it sorry I guys great. <laughs> yeah i mean because like is... yeah <laughs> I get to meet all these new people and Q knows this like I like talking to people and I'm just nervous because all these people you're all cool that, I can just say it and that's it and, yeah sorry if well, I sound no, weird dude, hey. you're okay that's what I was going for I think it's important yeah. like it is important to bring things like that out and, and really be able to see where you're at because it is a yeah. cool position and at the same time you know um when you look back, Michael, when you look back at kind of the things that you've done, and that list is so massive, it, it's mm -hmm. such a massive list. When you look back, is there is there something that you did that you can look back on and go, oh my God, why, you know, I did that? I mean, I know it, it's it's always Wait, odd because we, yeah, I am. Oh. Yes, sir. Well, you know, I've been going out since I was 15. I lived down the block from Lamar in Brooklyn. Uh, you know, so I'd walk there and I'd crawl back home. But, you know, I mean, if you ask, uh, I guess it's when, uh, you know, I was um, doing A&R at Electra. It was my second year there. And uh, I signed Metallica 36 years ago to Electra Records. And that mm -hmm. fucking kind of changed the face of heavy metal. And, you know, everybody then wanted their own Metallica. But that doesn't happen. But you do get other great bands that happen out of all of that. So I guess if that's the one thing... Uh, it would be signing Metallica. But, you know, I worked with so many people. You know, I remember uh, I used to book a nightclub in New York called The Ritz from 1980 to 1983. It was my first job in the business. I was 19 years old, and we had a band called uh, Bow, Bow Wow Wow Play. And uh, Malcolm McLaren, who was managing the Sex Pistols and Bow Wow Wow, uh, was their manager. So we had them there for a Friday and Saturday night. He called me up and he said, we're not coming. I said, what do you mean you're not coming? And he said, well, you know, Annabella is underage and her mom won't let her come to the States. I said, well, you fucking booked the gig and she was underage then. We'll pay for her mother to come and uh, you'll do the gigs. They didn't come. So I had to think of what to do in like a 1500 nightclub on a Friday and Saturday night. Um, 
So I don't know how I knew, because I didn't know him yet, that uh, Rotten was in New York promoting Flower. Well, John Lydon was in New York promoting Flowers of Romance. So I called him and Keith Levine and I said, uh, you know what, we, I have this predicament. I know you don't know me, but can I send a car for you and uh, come down to my office? I did. And we figured out like uh, how they would do like a set. And uh, we had this 32 screen that was what the, one of the things the Ritz was known for other than a great sound system. And they wanted to perform and do like performance art. People who had not seen Rotten Leiden for a long time did not want performance art. They wanted to see Johnny Rotten in full swing. Um, so he just taunted everybody behind this uh, screen. It went on for 18 minutes, the show, and I had to close the venue down. Of course, I wanted them back the next day. Uh, but I got into <laughs> so much trouble for that show. But the point of this is, and I don't even know if you had, this was the question, but it's about like working with artists for a long time. Um, my brain just stopped. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, please, please, please. Um, so that's when I met John, and we've been friends now 39 years. I signed him to Elektra in 1985. We made a record called Album. It was a, a generic record that, that, and the cassette said cassette and blah, blah, blah. It was all with all studio musicians, and it wound up not really selling like it should have. So the deal was enormous, um, and we had to drop him the next year. Between 81 and uh, fucking yesterday. I don't think John and I ever had a bad word with each other. That's awesome. It's That's unbelievable. Because, you know, people are always like, well, he was so nice in your documentary. That's because <laughs> I don't fucking ask him about the sex pistols every fucking minute. You know, it's like, who wants to just reminisce all the time? Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what the question was, but I guess in being, you know, my career as an art person for 25 years, I guess I loved working with John Lydon and I loved working with Metallica. And, you know, after Metallica, I signed Metal Church and Flotsam and uh, blah, 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 blah. Swans. I like swans. They're good. Oh, yeah. So I want to I want to jump in here real quick before we move on. Uh, we were oh. just joined by two more folks. Uh, and that should be it because we don't want to, you know, we, we don't want a packed, packed house. Brady, um, but I'm super, super fucking excited about <laughs> who just joined us. So first is just popped in Miss Nikki Black, staple in the heavy metal scene in the Bay Area. I know she's probably grabbing a drink. <laughs> but we love Nikki. Nikki is amazing. And uh, this gentleman, Todd, over here, who uh, happens to be the lead singer of Queensryche, uh, <laughs> and is also, I believe, and Todd, I want to go straight to you on this, um, there's there's potentially some new music coming from you. Is that right? Yeah, I have a, a new solo album. Hi, Nikki. Hey, everybody. What's up, Todd? <laughs> What's good, man? Yeah, yeah. I have a... Uh, I have a solo record that I just finished, um, and hopefully it's going to be coming out uh, maybe the end of this November. Um, it's I'm getting the, uh, the the recall mixes back right now, finalizing artwork details. So yeah, it's it's uh, nothing like Queen's It's it's um, you know more classic metal, a lot of more thrash elements, but it's got a lot of melodic stuff. I think the vocal, the vocals are um, nothing, pretty much nothing like what I 
what I do in Queens, right? I mean, some stuff, but so yeah, I got a new solo record coming out. I'm super excited about that. I did all the drums on it and the vocals and, uh, my buddy Craig Blackwell, uh, lifelong friend did all the guitars and bass. So it's just the two of us that did the whole record. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's exciting. Uh, Zeus is mixing, is uh, mixing and mastering the record. So it's going to sound, it's going to sound killer. Zeus is great. Yeah, that's Zeus, awesome. Zeus is actually that's... doing my record right now, too. Todd, nice <laughs> to meet you here. Hello? Yeah. Hello. Hi. Todd, hi. I'm glad <laughs> that everybody here, regardless of what it is, you know, you're known for doing or whatever group you're working with, it's nice to see, like, Todd, solo record. Will's talking about the Scarecrow band. Uh, Q is talking about me going back with, you know, the, the band I was in previous and doing new things. And it seems like that seems to wait for all of us to keep creating, keep active and keep you know, yep. fulfilled, waking up every day with, you know, something to do. Tours are canceled, postponed, rescheduled, whatever. Fuck, it doesn't mean we have to stop working. I want to get back to what Michael was going to ask Todd. But, no, I just, uh, Todd, I just wanted to know, first of all, it's really nice to meet you here. You too, Blake. thank you. And uh, what is the new album called? I can't tell you yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell it's you what. It's a good time to fucking buy it. Why? Todd, when we when we have you back for season two, you'll tell us, right? Guilty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When Todd gets this whole episode to himself, who doesn't have to talk over all of us yahoo. Exactly. You know? That's what I want. <laughs> so I want to make I a quick announcement. We have about, about 10 minutes left in the live stream. Ooh, so yep. if you guys have not gotten tickets for the after party yet, grab them now. Because that content's only going to be available to people that grab tickets. Hmm. And it's only going to be, be available to our Patreon subscribers. So grab them now. We got about ten minutes, and then we're going to close the stream down and just go into the webinar. Now, can I also chance. add something? Can I also add yes, something, sir. Russell? Marcus. Okay. So since Russell doesn't like selling himself as much as I think he should, <laughs> so keep in mind, everybody that's out there in the studio audience, Russell started this independent promotion company because I stopped putting on shows. There was nobody really in the Bay Area putting on shows. So Russell went ahead and started this business because he wanted to start putting on the shows that Live Nation wasn't willing to do or that Golden Voice wasn't willing to touch. The company had potential. Things were getting booked. And then all of a sudden, COVID hit. Everything got shut down. This fucking guy put his stuff into it. He's been a huge supporter in metal, as everybody here knows who's been in bands that has seen him nonstop. He's been a huge supporter. He's put so much into it. So the if you want to go ahead and do the live stream, it's supporting this business that was born out of a love of heavy metal for other people that love heavy metal. So go ahead and buy the fucking tickets, you cheap bastards. Yeah, you absolutely. <laughs> hey, real so quick. I want to... Who, tell, who all is on this call so I can meet everybody in here? Because I don't know everybody in here. My apologies. All right. So let's do let's do a roundtable just because now that we have our full listing and then some. All right. So, yeah, cool. Um, we have Quentin Miner and Travis Ochoa. Both of them are in a band called Phantom Witch out of San Francisco. Uh, awesome. Younger thrash band. You know Sip. Um, yep. I know you know Will as well. Um Michael Alago, um, I'm not sure how much, or if you know him, Michael is a legend in the music industry, he signed Metallica to Elektra, uh, tons of bands, the guy's a legend, There's not, I don't have yeah. time to go through his resume, it's massive. You can buy his book! We said you could buy the book! Buy the book! Who the fuck is that guy? 
yeah, who the fuck is that guy? Well, buy the book and you'll find out. Um, Rob Dukes, you know Rob, I believe. Um, Exodus, Generation Kill. Uh, Carlos Cruz is the drummer for Warbringer. Fantastic, fantastic band. Um, Zach Simmons and Robert T.A. Coleman over here are uh, in Goat Horror. That's the basis and drummer of Goat Horror. And then you know Nikki. So that I think that about rounds it out. Yeah, cool. <laughs> well, nice to meet those of you that I that I don't know. I I've heard of you, or and I I've know many of you, but uh, it's it's a pleasure to, to be on here with you guys. Likewise. Good to meet you, Tom. Yeah, man. Big Queen's Drag fan. <laughs> so yeah. Russell, when he when, when you when you introduced Carlos there, you you did miss a few, maybe one or two bands that he's a part of. Please correct me. <laughs> correct me. There are probably several. You probably missed 35 bands that Will Carroll was a part of. <laughs> so look, here's the thing. If I can't go through Will's list, I can't go through Carlos's list either. You pick one. <laughs> you go with that. Well, cause like, so like Carlos is in Warbringer. I know that um, you were, I don't know if you were playing with them or if you were just live with Skeletal Remains. Uh, um, I did a record with them and, and live, yeah. Okay, and then you were groups that are still around. Okay, and then I know you toured with and you were you did drums on uh, Ex Mortis's Sound of Steel. You toured with Power Trip uh, over in Europe, and now you're bringing back Hexen, which is a, like a pretty legendary thrash metal band that like disappeared, and everybody's really excited to hear back. Oh, and then also you know he took up Nick Menza's place, rest in, may he rest in peace, in Ohm with Chris Poland after that happened. Like Carlos, like. Thanks. I look at this guy and I hear him play, and I just like, man, I need to go practice. <laughs> it's good. To, it's good to meet Carlos too, because uh, yeah, low key, we got we got something brewing, low key. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right on, rocking and rolling. Yeah, pleasure. Yeah. yeah, the most recent thing I went up to SF4 was to work with Machine Head, Rob Flynn, and do. Uh, I'm on the drummer on three of their newest singles, so that's been the latest thing. So nice, yeah. cool. Also, Todd's a drummer. Not everybody knows that. Yeah. He just said yeah, it. He just said he did yeah, the whole thing. Now I know all the drums. Sorry, I was trying See, to get my... This is why Todd stopped drinking. This is why Todd and Michael stopped drinking, was because when you're making drinks, sometimes you can't pay attention to things. That what are, are you drinking? Is that a Cosmo or a screwdriver? What do we got going on over there? <laughs> <laughs> this is a mango margarita. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> cheers, so, right. cheers, cheers, cheers. I have, I have a question... For the panel, and this is for everybody, and I feel like we have enough industry luminaries and rock stars in here that it's a damn good question. Um, for all of you, and I'll, I'll name you off each time. You get about a minute. Don't don't go too overboard with it. If there's one person you've met who left you starstruck, who who literally you were just like, holy shit, I'm meeting this person, or they're amazing. Who would that be? And the reason I'm going to go with my screen is because I can start with Quentin and Travis first. So, Quentin, one person, one Dave Lombardo. You Dave Lombardo. 100% Dave Lombardo. <laughs> Whole man. Okay. I got a minute. Met him at Oz super quick, walking through the, um, walking through like the signing. It's just like real quick. Hi. Hello. Nice to meet you. Hello. Nice to meet you. Hello. I basically worship you as a drummer. Thank you so much for everything you do. You inspired me to start playing. And it was super quick, you know, and like he was super nice about it. And they played in uh, Santa Cruz, California, about maybe two months later. And I was in uh, Streetlight Records up there and in comes the band. And I'm sitting there, oh my God, that's Dave Lombardo. And then he turns, he's like, oh, hey, what's up, Q? And I'm like, Dave Lombardo knows who I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> 
it's always a weird was... feeling when they remember you or recognize you. Yeah, I was like, was I that weird? I was that weird. Yeah, no, I was definitely. I'll, I'll do. I'll I'll do cop. mine since I'm next on my screen. Honestly, it's it's really odd, and the, it's kind of the way I came about working in the industry as a whole. Um, you know, Kirk Hammett's Fear Fest Evil, big big event that Kirk did for a couple years. It was fantastic. Uh, you know, Will Death Angel played there. Um, it was it was really cool and a really unique event. There was there was this person named Nikki Black that hosted the event along with Jose Mangan. Like that's actually where I met Nikki. That's how I met you, Nikki. Was through Fear Fest, I think. Um, was that our first time? Yeah, I think so. I believe. I was there for that. Yeah, uh, I was there for so, that. Oh yeah, 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 Dukes. You were out. You were up for that as well. And so we're yeah, doing all this stuff. On play with us. Yeah. 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 Um, but when we started working on it, the first thing that happened was, Hey, we need to work on some stuff. Why don't you come over to Kirk's house and, and we'll work on it. And at this time I had never really met anybody in the rock scene at all. Like I, I never mm -hmm. met anyone. So I'm sitting there like, you want me to go where and do what? And they're like, yeah, come, come out to Kirk's house. Here's the address. Come sit in the living room and we'll work on some shit. And I'm just kind of like, <laughs> what? And, and that was, that was a really quick introduction into people because i still had that whole idol worship thing going you know like where when you never when you've never met anybody you're younger you're kind of like oh my god they're idols then you meet them and you know they're regular people that bust their ass and are good at what they do and so that really brought that down to earth real quick because it wasn't meeting them in a meet and greet situation where you have two minutes and then you walk away it was holy shit you're you and you're here and we're sitting here on your couch so that was mine. That was my starstruck moment. And it's odd because, you know, that's not even the biggest star that I've met, but it was just such a unique experience that it really blew my mind. Um, hmm. Travis, what about you? Uh, I'm well, really, really thing. interested about yours. <laughs> mine would have to be with Mr. Dukes here, actually. Hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, when you were singing in Exodus, uh, that was the first time I saw Exodus. Mm -hmm. And so I've only like heard the music and seen videos, like I said earlier. So I didn't know how. And I was like, "Yeah, it was my first time seeing Exodus." And you're like, "What the fuck?" And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> so I, 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 I had a, I had a blast. It was cool. I remember I was stage, not stage, crowd surfing, and I was upside down, and I saw you. And I'm like, "Dukes!" And you're like, "Hey!" And then I just fell down. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. You know, no, uh, you know, to piggyback off that real quick, Exodus was my first show ever. It was Metal Lions 2013 in San Francisco with Anthrax and Municipal Waste, and you were that's was with Dukes too. So like, yeah, no, that was for the show, and it was that you just reminded me how serious. how babies you both are. Oh yeah. Uh, Sip, what about you? <laughs> your uh, starstruck like, moment. Uh, so, like, you know, I was lucky enough that, like, Ronnie James Dio got me into the business and everything like that. But uh, the the there's like certain bands that you just are untouchable in certain ways because they've been so established. So there's just certain bands you never get to see. And when the pound was at its peak, my head of security and I were invited backstage for Iron Maiden, who have always been legends in my mind, and I never met them or anything. And uh, they. Um, uh, it was one of those things that the, the there a lot of their crew had worked on a bunch of shows that the pound that I'd put on at the pound when they weren't touring with Maiden. So word spread and stuff like that. And then uh, they it, I was brought over and introduced to Bruce 
and Steve as the guy that was trying oh. to see heavy metal in the Bay Area. And um, from all of the famous people that I'm friends with, like a lot of them are like, you know, I'm friends with like, you know, really like, you know, majorly famous people. Fuck, Alago's a legend that he's one of my friends, you know? Duke yep. is like staying at my house this week, you know? But like, you know, <laughs> Halford and I talk every day. But to be when it's somebody that's so unattainable that you thought you'd never get to meet and that you know nothing about and that you probably have nothing in common with other than the love of heavy metal, to get to meet them like that, it was just mind blowing to me to be introduced, you know? So that was definitely mine. Was what like, was that? You recall the year or the tour or the instant? Uh, da, 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 da. My, my head of security, Eric Thomas, will probably text me and tell me in a few minutes. It was like early, two, it was like early 2000s. So when they relinked up, like when Bruce. Yeah. Came, yeah, 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 totally. And it was amazing. Awesome. So, All right, yeah. Will, what about you? Um, I mean, I have to go big on this one. It was Gene Simmons for sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, Hell yeah. I was up all night on, on crystal meth the night before. And he was doing a book signing at a bookstore on hate street in San Francisco. I was there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I was there too. I have the picture to prove it. <laughs> and, uh, when I walked into the bookstore and had him, he was looking right at me, and I could just tell he knew that I was still high. And I felt so ashamed. I, I, I betrayed the KISS Army meeting Gene Simmons under the influence. But, you know. <laughs> oh, God. Speaking of, speaking of meeting people under the influence, um, Michael Alago, uh, we, we, know, we know your history. We yeah, know, we I know. Not under, shut up. Yeah, I, I, I was not <laughs> under the influence when. So I have to go back because I'm older probably than all of you here. So it's June 3rd, 1973. It's the last night of Alice Cooper's Billion Dollar Babies Tour at Madison Square Garden. That was my first concert ever. I lost <gasps> my mind and I did not meet him till 40 years later. How oh, that wow, happened, God. I have no idea. I asked fucking everybody how you know meet Alice Cooper. I never I was already in the business as an AR person, never got to meet Alice Cooper. So there was a tour going on with uh, Rob Zombie, and I said, You gotta fucking bring me backstage. Well, when he brought me backstage, I was starstruck. I all I could do was stare. He wanted to know what the mat what was the matter with me because I couldn't <laughs> anything. And then after like a you know, a couple of drinks that I threw down because I was still drinking then, um, I just didn't shut up. And he basically was like, oh, so do you mean I'm like responsible for your career? And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever you say. But I guess, you know, Alice Cooper. And you know, for him, those shows have been the same fucking shows in 73, yeah. you know? But it never yeah. gets old, it never gets tired. You know, Killer, Love It To Death, School's Out, all of those, Welcome To My Nightmare, even. All of those records just- Even. Uh, it's one of the best albums of all time. I love no, it. Not really. It's, only, it's only people of like, uh, who like actually got to see him in the early 70s will be like, eh, even Welcome To My Nightmare. Whereas like the rest of us, like me and Will will be like, oh my God, Welcome To My Nightmare is one of the best things ever because we never even got to see the original okay. movie. Okay. Holy. I guess it would be Alice Cooper and uh, those couple of first albums like uh, Pretty's For You and Love It To Death and Killer are my all time favorite. 
So he didn't do the the Wayne's World kiss the ring thing where where like you know the you're not worthy or the or the blank face didn't do the kiss the ring thing that Wayne's World had. No, he that's was, only in the movies, Russell. Yeah. I, I don't know that. I've never met Alice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I have. He's I finally got to meet him. That's amazing, Mister Dukes. Um. I was sitting there thinking about it while I was talking, and I, I have to say, uh, I went to see um, Prodigy and um, ended up standing next to Mike Patton and Danny DeVito. Oh, and uh, please tell me it's Danny DeVito. Please tell uh, me it's Danny DeVito, not Mike. So, so I so Danny's in front of me, and there's like uh, like people were pushing and shit. So I kind of like protected him because he's so little and he was standing in front of me. And then he kind of realized what I was doing. He was like, Oh, he, he kind of thanked me. I was like, no problem, dude. And then, um, so then after the, after the show, I went and, uh, hung out with, uh, with the three of them, uh, Keith and, and, uh, and, and Patton really kind of made me a little weird only cause he's like my second favorite singer, Freddie Mercury being my first, but, um, oh. he was, he, you know, Mike Patton was just, but he was such a nice guy and he knew who I was and he knew the records and he was like, Oh, I love that fucking record. And it was, so he was still a guy who listens to metal and listens to music uh, and especially the Bay area stuff. And, uh, and you know, it was, uh, it was, I tried not to be too weird, but in my head I was fucking weird as fuck. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like anytime you meet, you meet one of your, one of your idols or somebody that you think is just amazing in your head, you're the most awkward you've ever been in your life. Regardless of how okay you were or chill you were or, you know, even if you were just normal, in your head you're going, fuck, I said this thing and I shouldn't have said that. God damn it, he's going to yeah. hate me. Or he's, he's going to remember me and think I'm terrible or dumb. <laughs> I thought about that about, about Rob Halford. I hung out with Rob Halford courtesy of Sip got me VIP in New York. And I went and I went and um, had like a, I walked in the arena and they gave me a pass that like says, okay, you're a king. You can go wherever the fuck you want. And then after the show, I, I yeah. sat there and ate M&Ms with Rob, and we talked for a half an hour. And um, I felt comfortable at the end, but in the very beginning, I was very nervous. And he was such a wonderful human being. So, um, anyway, another one of my favorite singers of all time. So, Halford Al was like, Halford was like, well, do you know this guy? Like, how well do you know him? And I was like, he stays at my house anytime he's in town. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally, Rob, he stays at my house. Like, he's not gonna yeah. like. And he was he was awesome, man. He was a he was a true gentleman and a, and a beautiful human being. So he's yeah. he's definitely still on my list of people that I want to meet for sure because that man is a le talk about legends, Jesus. Um, Carlos Cruz, how about you? Oh, um, the one instance was probably meeting Quincy Jones. Ah, wow. legend! Yeah, yeah. Wow. I was, I was at. Drop the mic. Yeah, that's. We're, this, we're this done. Was, we're stopping here. I didn't, I didn't yeah. know yeah. it was kind of like one. Yeah, it just kind of unknowingly happened. So I was at a jazz club. It's called the Catalina Jazz Club in Hollywood, uh, and I went to watch Dennis, Dennis Chambers, one of my favorite drummers, Dennis Chambers and his band Graffiti, uh, killer set. You know, it's small place. You know, the capacity, there's maybe like 50 people. It's all seated, you know, quaint joint. And uh, you know, it's jazz, it's fusion, it's, it's hip-hop, funk. You know, they go off. Uh, they play, you know, multiple sets, long night. 
different vibe than going to a rock show or any kind of metal show, anything like that. And then after, you know, I was waiting on the side trying to, you know, get close to Dennis and meet him and do the drummer thing or whatever, just kind of in passing, say hello. Didn't get a chance to do that. But on my way out, I had noticed, you know, security and a handful of people huddling around the, t the dinner table at the dead center of the room. And then walking by, I noticed it was a gentleman sitting down. And I go, holy fuck, that's Quincy Jones. So I stood there. I stood there maybe for like half hour as people were swinging by. He was so gracious enough to like meet everybody, give him a you know a quick handshake. Back then, when you can get you know six feet close to a motherfucker, and, and, it, and so I waited there patiently. It was me, a couple buddies, you know what I mean? And, and they didn't care because they were drummers, they're musicians. Of course, they know who this this guy was. So it was one of those things where inside I was like, you know, we all know him. We've all heard him, even if we don't know too much about it you know what i mean he's uh the, the work he's done has affected our lives one way or another we've heard the sound you know oh, that he's yeah. been a part of so it was one of those quick instances where he was sitting down you know older gentleman so i you know uh reached out gave him a handshake all and all you know i had to get close to his ear just so he could hear what i was saying because it's a you know pretty loud room but all you know all i did was i went up there shook his hand i said it's an honor to meet you thank you for everything you've done for music have a great night you know and, and walked uh, but that was like something above and beyond, you know, I've uh, uh, be being in a room with all of you back to your question of like the younger generation of musicians working and meeting, whether it's people in the industry uh, or your favorite, your heroes and you're on tour with them or you're playing shows with them. That's that's one kind of vibe. But somebody like that, you know, produced Thriller. Yeah, it's the best yeah. selling piece of music on planet Earth that the human race, you know, has ever, you know, accomplished, you know, so that's that's a feat like above and beyond anything. Uh, any of us would ever hope to achieve, but I mean, just that guy in general is fucked. So, did he care if you were up all the time drugs? No. This is not a competition, but you might have just won anyway. Like, <laughs> that, was, that was just a, a hell of a moment, you know. A, another one closely related would have been meeting Nico from Iron Maiden, you know, personally, and it was like a drum thing. And uh, so that's that's a, but see that's a different thing that's kind of close to home and it's like Iron Maiden, it's yeah. fucking Iron Maiden, you know. That's you no you, that. you went for you no, reached that, for it. Yeah, that with that that's a, <laughs> a much you know different level of like separation for uh, just yeah. art music and and what uh, what music does for everybody here. Yeah, uh, Zach. Hey, I'm about to go with uh, Rob Halford. <clears throat> yeah, oh, definitely, man. <laughs> Metal God, uh, we, were, we were on Ozfest 2010 and Halford's solo band was on that tour. So we got to meet him, hang out with him uh, one night. I think it was actually his birthday. And then uh, a couple of years later, met him at NAMM again. But yeah, super cool dude. And I, I definitely like, first time I met him, definitely locked up. Didn't know what the hell to do, but yeah, man. I was there for that. That was when Sammy had the black eye, when Ben funded Yeah, us. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> the fight was fight, yeah. <laughs> that's right that's awesome man uh, i mean halford in general is is i feel like again i haven't met him and sip this might be weird for you to hear so cover yours i i i think his his aura like i feel like his personality kind of exudes on stage and i've always been curious as to how much that carries over to when he's not to when he's just kind of one-to-one -one. so I'll find that out eventually. Yeah, I mean, how, how did you how did you feel guy, that? Did you like being we're really good friends with them, and we talk like you know we message each other almost every day, you know, like every yeah. other day or something stupid. Like it's really not like oh my god, you know, I'm the metal god. It's literally like the same shit that me and 
Alago would message to each other or stuff like that. Like it's really fun, stupid it's stuff. Dick it's dick pics, okay? Just say it. It's <laughs> dick pics. <laughs> I said That's it's exactly dick pics. Just say it. It's, it's fucking dick pics. It's honestly we just <laughs> they just send pictures of their dicks back and forth. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Dick? We share with each other, you know. Like, you know. <laughs> what do you think two gay guys are talking about? Dick. I, you know what? You're Same thing everybody else talks about. Yeah. Everything everybody else talks about. Like, it really is. It's just, you lay down. Oh, if you want to be a friend, everybody talks like about that, a dick. If you, want to be, if you want to be a friend with anybody like that, you have to, like, separate it from this is, like, you yes. know, this is the guy that sang Devil's Child. This is my friend. And we talk about really funny stuff and we make each other laugh. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, I, I feel like there's always that thing too, and the thing that I've I've noticed a lot with like some of the folks that I know is, you know, and watching their fan interactions and things like that is, you do get to a point, and it took me a bit because again, I didn't meet anyone famous until later in life, and it's one of those things where you you have that idolic worship. If you don't meet anybody, they're always on this pedestal, and if you're not involved in the industry, you're you're they're always on this pedestal because you they're you're separated to a point. And at the same time, it does get to a situation where if you hang around with people enough or even that first little bit, you're like, oh, okay. They're actually, they're humans, humans, which we know. Um, but I, you know, I struggled with that too, coming out here and meeting the people that I've met. And it it is something that you do have to learn. It's odd that you have to learn it, but you do have to learn it. If you haven't met anybody until you were 30 or so, like later on in life. I want to hear who Todd got starstruck by. Well, we're all, we're almost Todd's to next. Queensright gets a tour with some cool-ass people, you know? Oh, I know. I know. So TA's next. Todd's after that. I want to hear that one, and I want to hear Nikki's as well. Oh, I bet I know Nikki's already, but Nikki's one of my friends. Hold on. Let's do it. I bet I could totally name Nikki's, but I'm not going to. Go ahead. I'll let you guess Later on, Russell, Sip and I are going to be opening a metal etiquette school for you. And we'll teach you how to learn to meet famous people. I'm down with it. I didn't realize I had violated rules yet, but I'm down with it. All right. It involves called Medikit. 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 All right. T.A. What about you, man? Oh. All right. Well, for me, it's funny. I've met, like, bigger people. The person that actually got starstruck and, like, awkward around I had met Halford before, briefly, whatever. Never felt that way. But Tom Warrior from Celtic Frost. Yeah, yeah. We were Goat yeah. was playing in, uh, in Temple's Fest in Bristol, England. It was the night before. We played the night before. We played with Voivod the night before. And then the next night, uh, Trypticon was playing. Fuck yeah. Tom shows up. We had already finished our set. We're hanging out backstage. I'm hanging out with Zach and Sammy. Tom comes walking in. And it's like, David, he calls out. He's like, oh, fucking Goat Horse here. And he comes walking up, and first thing, like, they introduced me, like, hey, this is TA, our new bass player. And James, the old bass player, was, like, seven feet tall. I'm, like, 5'10". So Tom immediately looks at me. The first thing he says, even before he makes fun of me, is, like, nice bootleg Hellhammer shirt. Like, just like I'm wearing a bootleg Hellhammer shirt right now. But he's immediately busting my balls about the bootleg shirt I'm fucking wearing. Then he looks at me, like, oh, you're a lot shorter than the last bass player. And he leans in, puts his arm around me, he's like, I bet that makes Sammy feel a lot better about himself. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite, my favorite uh, uh, is not only again like 
busting my balls, but busting Sammy's balls as well immediately. And I'm just like giggling like a little fucking schoolgirl. Somewhere <laughs> even more cool than I fucking ever imagined he could be. <laughs> that oh, was that's a great amazing. <laughs> oh my god! All right, now we. I have a similar really, the... story. I met Tom Warrior in Switzerland. Uh, Death Angel were playing. We were on tour with two other bands that I won't mention, and, um, <laughs> and we're at the, we were at the H.R. Giger uh, Museum. As you know, the internet's not uh, a thing. We can't all look it up and find out. If you've ever been to the, mu to the museum, it's uh, it's built upwards, so. It goes up to like the sixth floor. It just kind of spirals upward. And I was on the very top floor looking at some uh, looking at some uh, stuff he did for the movie Species. Anyways, I was looking at some stuff and I heard some 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 feet some feet like clamoring up the stairs. And it's Ted Aguilar and he goes, Will, Tom Boyer just walked in. I was like, get the fuck out of here. And he goes, All right, dude. <laughs> And, uh, and I was like, maybe he's not fucking with me. Just, just one time, maybe he's not fucking with me. <laughs> and so I bolted down the stairs, and oh, yeah. sure as shit, he was there because he's a, a, a curator of that museum. So he's there quite often. Uh, and yeah, I, I totally turned into a little schoolgirl, too. I was like, oh my God, Tom! I just asked him a million questions. And so he was asking where we were going to play. Funny. We told them, we're like, hey, we'll put you on the list. He goes, yeah, I want to come and see you guys. Who are you guys playing with? And I named the other two bands, and he goes, oh, so one good band's playing tonight. Hell <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, nice. God. All right. Todd, you're up, man. Star your starstruck Dude, moment. Because, I mean, you've played with everyone. So, <laughs> well, you know, speaking to the Tom War, because I've been thinking of like, all right, I got some good stories, but which one do I want to actually share? So I'm, I'm going to give it two, I'll give two quick, two quick snippets and then a good, a fun story. So on the Tom, on the Tom warrior thing, <clears throat> I got a message on Facebook in the, in the other folder and it was a message from, from him. And I don't, I didn't know him or anything. And he was like, Hey, you know, uh, I'm a huge fan of Queensryche and it would be an honor to meet you someday. And I just wanted to say uh, what an amazing job, you know, you're doing in the band and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, is this for real? I, I don't, I don't know if this is fucking for real. So I messaged back like, wow, dude, uh, I, you know, that's beyond kind. Thank you so much. Blah, blah, blah. I said, you know, uh, we're both playing Bakken soon. And maybe we'll get a chance to meet there. He says, you know, please message me when you're there. So get to get to Vakken. And um, we had our first our day off there. So uh, I didn't have credentials to get all the way in the catering, but we were in the area that, for the day off. Long story short, he comes out and I, I was like, hey, dude, I'm out front, you know, whatever. So he comes out and I'm like, look, that there he is. And. He literally gets on his knees and does the I'm not worthy thing. Whoa. And I felt, I felt so like I'm kind of embarrassed, like, dude, I'm not the guy you should be doing that to. And because now I'm a liar because I told Russell that only happens in the movie. Uh, <laughs> see, see, <laughs> so I, go, I go, dude, please get up, man. Like, and I was like, you know, I was really surprised you, you messaged me because I don't know when I think of you know, Celtic Frost or Hellhammer or that, you know, his sound and style, I don't think of him giving a shit about Queensryche. And he's like, dude, the EP, the blah, blah, blah. He was just, he was very, 
very, very nice to me, and we've corresponded. That's that's my Tom Warrior story. That's the awesome. biggest starstruck moment, and I mean, well, I'm an atheist, so I could care less if Jesus Christ appeared. I don't think I'd be starstruck, but <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, I did meet Robert Plant. Oh. Um, my my dad was eating. He and my stepmom were eating at an Italian restaurant on the beach here in Florida. And they called me and it was, there's like a 10 table, very intimate place. And my dad was good friends with the owner. And he says, Hey, um, or my stepmom called. She's like, Hey, Robert plants here. Do you want to meet him? I was like, really? And she said, yeah. So the owner didn't care. Yeah. He's hanging out. I show up. I was like 16 years old. I think 17. I show up and he, dude, I walk in and he's, he's, now eating dinner in the booth with my dad and stepmom. And anyway, I met him <laughs> and spent like an hour and 45 minutes at the same booth eating and talking with Robert Plant. That was super cool. Um, but I have one. I'll try to make it a quick, fun story. I think you guys would, would dig this. So I used to skateboard all the time. I was an avid skater. And I went over to my buddy's house. We were going to, you know, hang out that day. And I showed up at his, at his place really early. So I go there and, and he's like, Hey, uh, you know, his mom's cooking breakfast. And so I was like, okay. And I was talking, he says, you know, we got to kind of be quiet. My uncle, my uncle's, uh, he's sleeping and I don't, I don't want to wake him up. He's in town. I said, Oh, okay. So this guy walks out and he's got boxer short underwear on no shirt. His hair's (laughs) fucked up. And, and he goes, Hey, uh, Hey Todd, uh, this is my uncle. Uh, this is my uncle Joe. I'm like, hi, you know, Hey, nice to meet you. We all sit down and we're eating breakfast. It's me, my friend, Simon, his mom and his uncle. So he's like, so, Hey, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. Everything's good. And they're, they're chatting. And, uh, so he says to my friend, Hey, so, uh, uh, you know, if, if you want to come out, uh, you know, Tomorrow, let, let me know, you know, we'll make sure you're taken care of and blah, blah, blah. And I said, he goes, oh, you know, Todd plays drums. And I was like, yeah, I play drums. And he's like, yeah, cool. And I'm not going to do the body gesture because it'll give it away. It would be a clear giveaway if I did what I was, what I'm thinking of doing. But <laughs> so he, we're all done eating breakfast. We spent maybe 45 minutes at the table. He leaves, goes into the bedroom with his boxer shorts on and we're in my friend's bedroom. And I go, Hey, um, your uncle, like what, what was he talking about with he's in town and we want to come by? What was that all about? He goes, Oh, my, my uncle's band is playing tomorrow night. And I said, Oh, uh, that's cool. What, what, uh, what, what's the band he plays in? He goes, Oh, he's the drummer for Aerosmith. I go, Oh shit. (laughs) I go now, granted, I'm not, I'm not particularly an Aerosmith fan i don't own an aerosmith record i highly respect them it's just a little too blues rock for for me but holy shit it's it's you know this is the drummer so meanwhile what i was gonna do if you can see my face i'm on my front porch you know it's it's this kind of eye twitching happening during, <laughs> during, <laughs> you know and he's kind of kind of doing this thing so i said holy shit like that's your uncle's the drummer for aerosmith what the fuck he's like yeah he goes i don't I'm not really into him. Why do you want to go? I was like, fuck yeah, I want to go. So, so we ended up going, 
we had, you know, the, the passes. It was, and I still have the backstage pass. It was the pump tour with the, the, the fucking trucks are like copulating. And uh, so we go to the show. We watch, I watch the whole concert side stage on the stage. We go back. Hey, uh, Steven, Steven. Hey, Simon. Hey, this is my buddy, Todd. Steven Tyler was really nice. He talked to me for about maybe 10, 15 minutes. And, you know, that was like a really cool thing. So that was the, 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 the Joey, you know, Kramer thing is the most kind of unique story I have. The biggest star I ever met was probably Robert Plant. Um, but, yeah. you know, like you guys, we've all got to, to tour with bands that we respect and admire. I mean, when I met Chuck Billy for the first time, you know, I was, I was, I, I have to say, I was a little, I was probably kind of starstruck. I was like, holy fuck, this is Chuck Billy. Like, I love this dude, you know, and Alex Skolnick and, and, uh, you know, I'm five foot seven. He's, you know, 10 feet tall. So it, uh, it was a really, really cool experience. You know, I, I, all you guys, I mean, I have respect for all of you guys and, uh, it's, it's, you do become desensitized. You were talking about, uh, how, what is it like? And you have, people have to learn how to meet, let's say famous people or whatever, but yeah. you know, and I have to jump in and tell my story about when I met Robert Plant. Well, hold on, hold on real quick. Hold on real quick, TA. We'll get to you after we finish this round. So remember it, remember it, but hold on to it because I want to hear it. So, so in, in closing to my story, cause I don't want to take too much time, but, but, um, you know, I think you do become desensitized and, um, on the one hand it sucks because you, you still miss that giddy feeling of someone you've always listened to their music and seen in concerts. But at the same time, I love that I become friends with so many people and, uh, they are just like the, you know, anyone else. Um, but you do become desensitized to it. I have a lot of friends that can't believe I know who I know. And it's kind of funny on the other side now, cause I say, when I just, I'm just buddies with the guy. We don't even really talk about music. We talk about everything else, you know? Yeah, exactly. Hey, yeah. don't ever read, don't ever read Joey Kramer's book though. <laughs> very, very depressing. <laughs> very depressing. <laughs> so we're, gonna, we're, we're getting to the end of the, the live stream portion. Will came with uh, we, I love we that. We have one more. I love it. So we have one more. Uh, I want to get to Nikki Black with this question, uh, but I want to let everybody know, get a ticket now, because once Nikki's done, we're cutting the live stream. We're still going to hang out. We're still going to party. We're still going to talk. But Nikki is the call. Like, if, if, if by the time Nikki's done, you haven't gotten a ticket, you're not going to see the rest of it. Just saying. So, Nikki, you are literally the best for last. Aww. Mm. <laughs> I, I thought, yeah, bullshit. I thought you were saving TA's story with uh, Robert Plant for the, for the ticket. Would you let me prop you up, goddammit? Come on. <laughs> um. Okay, well, Sip, who did you think I was going to say? Because honestly, for a minute here, I was like, I'm just going to ask Sip who it is, because I, I, I don't know which story to tell. When you, Black I, think, I think when you got to dance with Mick Jagger. 
Oh. Oh. Just meet Mick Jagger. She danced with Mick Jagger. What the fuck? Like, it, like, like she met Paul McCartney, but she got to dance with Mick Jagger. That's pretty Mick awesome. Jagger, that one of my best cool. friends in the world. Like literally one of my best friends. <laughs> I also served him a drink, if that matters. <laughs> um, no, I was going to say, I was going to am I the only one that hears that in the background? Dude, no, hey, uh, Duke, here we go. <laughs> Duke's got it. We're good. Is We're good. that what that is? Okay. Yeah. I was like, um, well, I was going to say Joey Ramone. Oh. Um, nice. Oh, but yeah. Because... But because these things are so personal, you know, the thing that like that star strikes you is the thing that's like most personal to you. And when I was like mm -hmm. 16, I think I just kind of like discovered and fell in love with the Ramones. And I um, and I basically kind of just followed them. You know, that was like people didn't do that back in the 80s so much, at least not that I knew of. And I just ditched my friends. And I would literally go like hang out at the back door of the Warfield, which we all know is disgusting, um, until somebody <laughs> showed up and was like, "Hey, did you want to come in?" And and I would like hang out, and um, so I had had hung out with everybody and made friends with the road crew, and then I kind of stalked them to Arizona um, because kind <laughs> of. Yeah, well, I, my grandmother lived there. I had a legit reason um, and a place to crash, and. Um, I had kind of sneaked a look at the tour itinerary, so I knew when the plane was landing. Yes. And I wasn't going to be like super creeper about it. I just, you know, back then you could just show up at the airport and walk right up to the gate. So I showed up to the airport and walked right up to the gate. And I watched them all walk off the plane and was like, ah, and then didn't say anything. <laughs> and then I saw the crew guys that I knew and I was like, hey, what's up, you guys? And they were like, oh, shit, you're here? And I was like, yeah, I'm coming to the show tonight, right? And they were like, yeah, we'll listen to you. And, I, and they're like, by the way, um, can we get a ride? <laughs> they, they only had a car for the band to get to the hotel and the crew had no way to the hotel. So I kind of like began my career as a runner um, at like, you know, 17 or 18 years old at that point. And um, we get to the hotel and the guys were like, hey, can you go ask Monty for something? And I forget what it was, but I was like, yeah, what's his room number? So I go to Monty's room and I knock on the door and fucking Joey answers the door. And you know he's like six foot four and a half of like hair and glasses and just awkwardness. And I was totally not expecting to see him. And I'd literally never spoken to him. I just like stood in front of him all the time and was like, hey, ho, yes, ho, I love you. <laughs> and, um, and I just couldn't say anything. I just stood there like an asshole just staring up at him. Just, and he was like, yeah. And I'm like, uh, is this Monty's room? And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 we switched rooms. He's those next door. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then, like an idiot, I stumbled over and, like, did whatever it was I was supposed to do at Monty's room and and uh, and then went about my business. But that, that was my biggest starstruck um, cool. as far as, like, being an asshole and feeling like an idiot, but just meeting someone that you just truly loved um, for their music. Yeah. And, um, and then with but Mick Jagger. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Joy Ramones and Mick Jagger. Um, it's a weird pivot. Uh, that had been like the weirdest week of my life. Like they had a, they managed to get a union strike for that week at Pactel Park, and I had to help drive labor, scab labor across the picket lines. Oh, even though, yeah, the Teamsters came at us, right? So I was basically working from like 5 a.m. until they <laughs> called the build at like 9 p.m. It 
poured rain all day, all night. And then at nine, I would go across town and record two radio shows because at the time I was on KSJO and I was on KMRQ in Modesto. And then I would get home about midnight, sleep for like four and a half hours, get up, brush my teeth and drive back in in commute traffic and then drive scab labor across and then continue all day long driving. They had to build the stage off site. Um, at Piers 30 and 32, so I had to lead all the steak bed trucks with all the steel in through the picket lines over and over. Um, a funny story for another time is how I started hitting people with my van. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so everything that she's describing for the, for the audience at home, everything that she's describing, this is the fabulous music business that you all want to be a part of. The carefree, fun music business. 20 yeah, hour workdays, shit pay. <laughs> but we do it to get... bring it to you. Yeah. So appreciate it. Get... Everybody wants to get called a cunt by a teamster as she's plowing through the winter van. Um, <laughs> yeah. Winter yeah. teamsters. Your van wasn't the first one that hit, that's hit them. Okay, come Let's on. Let's hope not. Yeah. Um, All right, so again, real quick, I'm, I'm, guys, I'm reminder, Nikki, hold on one second. Just a reminder, once this Jagger story is done, the stream is done. So grab tickets if you haven't. Mm -hmm. And Nikki, it's all you. I want to hear this Jagger story really badly. <laughs> how does one dance can with Jagger? I, you all know how to dance like can Jagger. Can I, I interject well, real quick? What's up, dude? What was that? I, I, I gotta go. You gotta my, run? My, my, fun, my phone's gonna die, and I... Yeah, I gotta... Love you, dudes! I'll see you next time. Love you, brother. I'll yeah. see you soon, man. Love you, love you guys. Nice to meet you guys. I'll talk to you guys later. Peace. Peace, man. Peace. Alright, Nikki, let's wrap your story up so I can get the stream cut. You don't just wrap up Dancing with Mick Jagger, motherfucker. Well, that's what I'm waiting for. And I want to fucking no. hear it. <laughs> this is why I wanted you in here. <laughs> uh, so, best worst week of my life, right? Um, my 30th birthday happened in the pouring rain on site in the trailer. They got me a giant dick-shaped cake, and I chopped off the balls and handed them to the production manager. Um, and because I'd been working for the steel crew the whole time, once the shows were happening, um, we didn't have any work to do. And the steel crew guys, Blue Steel, out of fucking uh, Belgium, are wonderful, brilliant men. I love them all. And they were like, here's a grand, and here's like a stack of tickets. We want you to throw us a party. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So we, we did as much finagling as we could. We bought a bunch of booze. We got some girls in to serve it. And we ordered food. And we got like Steve Masters from Live 105 to DJ in. And we had it in the Shabine, which is like the band's kind of like green room area. But everybody knows the Stones pull a runner as soon as the show's over. So that's what the Steel Crew wanted us to do is have the party start as soon as the show was over and the band was off site. Which is what we did, and the band like never shows up to these things. Guys. She never, never met. Them. She never met Mick Jagger, guys. This is just a bunch of fucking. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. The Steel Crew guys were swearing up and down. The band never shows up, and all of Bill Graham presents people just like sneaked into this party because if there's free food and booze, then you know production's going to find a way to it. And I got to go because it was my party. I put it all together. And uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the fucking band showed up. Like, everyone except for Keith just turns up out of nowhere. And Mick Jagger comes up and asks me for a water. And 
Next thing you know, he starts dancing. I was like, well, fuck the dumb shit. I'm dancing with Mick Jagger. And he dances exactly like he does on stage. He does all that same shit. And I just danced up next to him and was like, hey, look at me. Dancing with Mick Jagger. Getting paid for it. This just made this whole shitty fucking week worth every goddamn suffering minute of it. I don't need to speak ever again, motherfuckers. I have danced with Mick Jagger. I can die now. Oh <laughs> All right, guys. That's it. It is 9.30. It's well over what we said we'd do on the live stream portion, but we're doing it anyway because this has been fucking amazing. So I want to thank everybody who's been here for this. We're going to continue. We're going to roll it over. And we're going to keep going. But for now, the live stream is going to end. So for those of you guys that didn't get tickets, you're going to miss out. But thank you for watching what you did. We really appreciate it. And thank you to all the guests for being here for this part of it. And you guys have a lovely, lovely evening.